This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. Happy Earth Day! This week, Bard MBA's Hannah Hintz speaks with Viral Hardev, Vice President of Strategy at Ubiquitous Energy. Really excited to be here uh, to interview you, uh, Viral Hardev, as the VP of Strategy at Ubiquitous Energy. My name is Hannah Hintz, and I am a Bard MBA candidate. I'm really excited in the program uh, to make an impact, and particularly interested in interviewing you today because I think the energy transition is such an important part of what we need to tackle. Also, I understand and have seen a bit of your product in an office building near me here in Boulder, Colorado. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Hannah. And, and thank you for having me. Yeah. Super excited to, to be here today to, to chat with you. Great. Well, I will kick us off with a little bit of introduction and then dive in. Ubiquitous Energy was founded in 2011 to find new ways to reduce humanity's carbon footprint by seamlessly integrating solar power technology into everyday products and services. They are leading the world in transparent solar technologies for both residential and commercial buildings in the form of solar windows. I would love if you can tell us a little bit more about the technology that you used and the founding of the company and concept. Maybe I'll start with the, the story of, of the founding um, and, and, then, and then I think it'll make a little more sense. So yeah, kind of as you, as, as you read off there a little bit about our background, our context, it's really, the, it's really just around how do we you know, increase our adoption and deploy more renewable energy technology in general? Right. And so when our founders were at MIT researching ways, um, specifically in renewable energy and solar, to do things that were pretty common, I would say, 10 to 15 years ago, and probably still today, in terms of how do we make traditional solar technology more deployable? How do we make it cheaper? How do we make it more efficient? How do we make it flexible? And while they were kind of, you know, researching all of those things, they kind of came upon this concept of, well, hey, you know, instead of doing all of these things, what if we tried to make it such that it just looks better? Because the one thing that, you know, with traditional solar technology and solar panels in general is that a lot of people don't like the way it looks, right? It's kind of really dark, it's really black or blue or opaque. And the thought that they had was, what if we could actually make a solar device or solar technology that didn't appear that way? What if we could make it invisible? What if we could make it transparent? And if you could do that, then it's like, oh my gosh, then you can apply this technology to all these places all around us where you typically can. And so they came across this, they, they came across this concept of what technically we call selective absorption. And so what that really means is, you know, the way that solar technology generally works is, you know, from a high level, you get energy from sunlight and then you convert some of that light energy into useful electricity. And so the better you are or the technology is in converting that energy, the more efficient it is, right? And so historically materials like silicon 
have been so widely researched and historically worked on because of its fundamental property that it absorbs a pretty wide amount of light energy from sun. However, the challenge that we saw or that our founders saw was that it also absorbs the visible light energy, meaning that you can't really change the properties optically or visually of that technology. And the thought was, well, what if you could? What if you could actually change the properties of that material so that it looks transparent? So it doesn't absorb the visible light, still absorbs all of this other light energy that, it, that comes from sunlight that we can't see with our human eye, but is still gonna be electrically functioning. And so again, we, they, they call that selective absorption. And so really the concept behind the technology is it's a solar technology that works just like any other solar technology. The trick is that we don't absorb that visible light energy. And that's how we can create a technology that's transparent to our, to our human eye but still electrically functioning because it's absorbing all that non-visible light energy and converting that into useful electricity. Super interesting. Thank you for running through that transformation of transparency, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I'd be interested to have you describe a little bit more about the end product. Where would we see this? What does it look like? How is it implemented? Sure. There's, there's a number of places, you know, I think kind of as you read off in our background where we think this could be applied, right? So we think that any surface literally that sees sunlight or is exposed to sunlight is, is a surface that's ripe for opportunity to become an actively functioning renewable energy generating surface. And so with our technology, we believe that's possible. Now to give you some, a few concrete examples, when we kind of look around the world, you know, we really see a challenge in terms of where do we need the most power and where, where is that challenge to kind of provide that power where it's needed the most. And so when you think about that, you quickly look to urban environments and you know downtown areas where you have a high concentration of population, you have large structures or buildings or apartment buildings and so on and so forth, but you don't have a lot of real estate, a lot of space to put in you know, other types of renewable energy technologies. Like you can't put on a wind farm in the middle of you know, downtown Denver, right? Where you are, or in the middle of uh, you know, Manhattan where Bards is from, right? So the, the, the thinking there is then, how can you integrate renewable energy technologies into these kinds of places, right? Kind of where you need the power the most, how can we, how, how can we kind of satisfy that, um, that need? And so for us, one of the concrete examples is windows, right? All buildings generally have windows. People want more and more windows. And so the thinking here is, what if you could turn your windows into windows that are also solar panels without affecting the way they look. So they still look like a traditional window. They're nice to look at, they're aesthetically pleasing, they're highly transparent. You don't really even know that you're looking through a window that's actually generating electricity that's an invisible solar panel. That's our ideal goal. And so if we can do that, and that's kind of what we're working on as our first product and coming to the market in a couple of years, then we can really start to convert buildings, residential homes, into these structures that are gonna be more energy efficient and they're gonna have renewable energy generation on site without really impacting too much else, right? We're not asking for additional real estate of the building or you know, asking that you make a compromise aesthetically or visually because it, because it has that. There's, there's really no trade-off that, that we really see. 
And so that's that that's the that's what gets us really excited. And when we think globally from the impact perspective, it can be pretty significant, right? Imagine all new construction that's happening around the world. If it was instead of using traditional windows, if it was using windows embedded with our technology, we could have a really significant impact. And that and that's what gets us really excited. You know, a couple of maybe stats um, that I'll throw your way is that I think over the next 30 years or so, the building stock that we have, you know, the number of homes and buildings globally is going to double, right? And so we really need to address these buildings, make them more energy efficient. You might've heard of things like net zero energy buildings or positive energy producing buildings. We really believe with technology like ours, that's possible. And another thing is, you know, some analysis we've done has shown that if we're successful and can, you know, broadly deploy this technology globally, we could offset up to 10% of our global carbon emissions, which is which is pretty significant. And, you know, we think of our solution as a, as a solution to help, you know, fight climate change and be a, be a resource in our renewable energy kind of toolkit, if you will, but it's not going to be the only solution. You know, we're not naive about that. We need a lot of things working together. And that's really what's behind a lot of our philosophy and our mindset is that we want to work complementary with other technologies and systems as much as we can. Um, and the reason I bring that up is that, you know, we don't see ourselves as a competitive or a competition to traditional solar. We really see it as complementary, you know, where you can put traditional technologies where it's aesthetically okay, or if it's on the roof or in a, in a farm or in a field somewhere, you know, that's great. But if you have windows, you know, use our technology and they can work kind of seamlessly together. I appreciate that segue and I want to take a moment to really call out what you highlighted is with the integration of your technology, a 10% reduction in emissions. I think that can be really powerful. So to bring it back down a little bit to the personal level, as you had just mentioned, uh, it being a complementary product. I have solar on my house. I'm lucky enough to have a roof that's angled in the right way to generate enough solar uh, to power the home. But looking forward as more of us uh, get hopefully electric vehicles and need a little bit more power or live in an area where that placement isn't quite as ideal. Can you speak a little bit about comparisons with your product? Product in typical solar? What's the output per square foot or how does it compare to the typical uh, solar panel? And is that orientation important or is it simply a transparent surface that you're looking for? <laughs> yeah, great question, um, Hannah. Um, a lot to unpack there. So I'll, 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 I'll uh, kind of step through it um, if you bear with me. Um, so the first, uh, kind of how do we compare with traditional solar technologies? I think the best way to compare it is really just in terms of efficiency. So, you know, your traditional solar technology that's on your roof, uh, you know, offered by companies like SunPower, First Solar, you know, Tesla, whoever, Solar City, um, typically are going to range in this 15 to 20% efficiency. Um, you know, some, other, some others have some offerings that are a little bit higher, you know, 22% or so. Um, and so that's kind of the, we, we call the baseline, right? Of course, there's other advanced things that are a little bit more exotic, you know, stuff like aerospace and stuff like that, which is much higher performance. Um, it's not really a commercial product, right? So when we look at that at, from a commercial standpoint, um, our technology, you know, we've, we've proven and certified performance as high as 10% power conversion efficiency. So, um, you know, not quite the same, 
as what you get from traditional solar technologies. But again, we're, we're making this conscious trade-off, if you will, about making it transparent. And by doing so, we are not capturing and harnessing about a third of that power potential that comes from sunlight to convert to use, to use electricity like traditional solar panels do. So we're today roughly about half. Um, you know, there's theoretical limits and practical limits that are gonna be higher than that. But even at that level of performance and lower, there's a lot of application and a lot of value we believe technologies like ours kind of kind of offered right to the window. And there's kind of two things um, and we think about it in two different ways. One is really now that you have a window that has a renewable energy generation surface right out the window, you can do some pretty innovative things. Um, you know, historically windows are passive, you know, they don't really have electrification. You can't really do anything other than, you know, add on other things like window coverings and mechanical things like that. So now as we're advancing, not only from a building and home side, and, you know, I'm sure you've heard of things like smart buildings, smart homes, and, you know, all these advances of different disparate devices that are internet connected, remotely, wirelessly communicating with each other, you know, take your ring doorbell, your Nest thermostat. These are all kind of smart home devices, right? So we really see our technology is now converting the window into a smart home device. And what we can do with that is we can power a number of different electrical features right at the window. So we can power things like sensors, um, other features like security detection, motion detection, security cameras, you know, right at the window. And so that's really interesting because it offers a lot of value, we believe, in terms of just extending what the capability of, of these other devices are. And then again, able to kind of connect remotely or wirelessly with all these other systems. So there's a lot of value, we believe, in terms of kind of seamless integration, convenience for the you know, occupant, the, whether it's the homeowner or the building or the tenant. And then the second, second thing really is just an extension of how much energy generation can you get? Um, you know, more is generally better, right? Um, as, as we're advancing, there's more devices, there's more things we're communicating with and plugging in. And so there, especially as we kind of think of larger scale, right? Um, not only from a residential home or apartment building, but when you start thinking about bigger commercial buildings, you know, even as big as skyscrapers, there's a lot of surface area on these buildings. And if we can use our technology, we're just gonna have such an absolute higher amount of energy that's produced renewable energy on site that helps to offset the building's energy consumption. And that can be done in a number of ways. You could offset different systems energy consumption, things like offsetting energy needed to power all the lights. You could offset the energy that's needed to run the heating and ventilation air conditioning system, the HVAC system. And, or you could like traditional solar, you know, connect it back to the grid, net meter it, right? The building could be producing so much energy that it could sell some of that energy back to the grid. It could sell it if it's almost like a community microgrid type of, a, of a infrastructure, it could sell it back to its neighbors or things like this. And what we really think in both cases, what this really helps with also as, as a kind of an inherent benefit is the resiliency. Um, you know, as, as we're kind of going um, and advancing as a society, you know, one thing that is happening quite frequently is these natural events, um, especially here in California, we actually have something that's called a wildfire season now. We, that never existed when I was a kid, even 10 years ago, that didn't exist. And so what that really means is it's putting a lot more strain on our, our electrical grid. And our electrical grid, not to go down a rabbit hole here, 
is has been based on fossil fuel technologies, right? Coal and gas and oil. And not that we're going to be able to completely overhaul and change the infrastructure of the electrical grid, but we need to make it smarter um, and advance to the, the kind of current um, generation, which is uh, being able to adopt more renewable energy technologies and fitting that in. And so just making that whole electrical grid more resilient so that in events where you do have natural disasters, wildfires, or severe weather events, if the grid goes down, you know, what happens, right? And so making structures and buildings and all of these different things more resilient, we believe is also a, a really valuable thing going forward. Impact Report is brought to you by the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability, offering both hybrid and in-person degrees in environmental policy, climate science and policy, environmental education, and sustainable business. Bard offers scholarships for all applicants who qualify and enrolls new cohorts each fall. Learn how to apply at gps.bard.edu. What else do you think we need to do as a global entity to transform the energy sector? What are our keys to success? Yeah, really great question, Hannah. And there's there's a, a number of things are flowing through my head. You, you know, um, one thing that we see a lot, and and maybe this is a little biased from our perspective, is really just broad education and awareness. You know, I think the average person out there is just not aware that technologies like ours and others exist. And if they're deployed and adopted, what kind of really positive impact could that have? I think there's a lot of, um, a, a lot of good stuff happening out in the world in terms of other advancements in technology and energy um, kind of efficiency in general. And I think what we've seen is most of the conversation has been, how do we save energy? How do we consume less energy? How do we make things more energy efficient? And it's, nobody's really looking, we believe, as much as we should be at the other side of the equation. How do we create more renewable energy? Because as we're growing, as a society population is increasing, as I mentioned, and more devices, more energy consumption, we think it's difficult it's a, it's a difficult path to ask people to really just start consuming less. Um, in a capitalistic society and developing countries around the world, they're gonna be consuming more and more energy. And so how do we actually increase the amount of energy that's available, that's sustainable, that's renewable, that's clean, that's really gonna meet our needs. And so, you know, it's not just more traditional solar deployment. It's not just more traditional wind energy deployment. It's really taken all of these things and kind of making them work together. And that's where we, that's where I personally really see this kind of all going, hopefully eventually, and makes it really exciting. Um, so, you know, kind of think of, uh, of, of an analogy right now, and I've heard this a lot is, um, especially, especially in, this, in this kind of smart home world where you, you might have a Google, you know, Google Home thing, you might have an Alexa thing, you might have an Apple Home thing, you might have a Nest, you know, thermostat, all of these disparate devices. And it's very frustrating and confusing to consumers 
how do all these things work together? Well, they really don't work together. So how can we actually make them all work together? And I think what the industry in that particular field has done is they've started um, creating an alliance and said, hey, look, all of these things should be able to communicate together. And so that um, I believe it's called matter that's formed. And so I, we definitely are gonna need and see something like that happening. You know, that's connecting grids, smart grids, you know, energy storage, energy generation, all of these things, they gotta kind of work really together and seamlessly and make and convenient in order for all of these things to get adopted as quickly as we need to get them to get them adopted. Because, you know, we have a huge challenge ahead of us as a global society. But I always say when the when the times get really tough and it, it looks pretty, pretty bleak, we're pretty resilient as a society. You know, you use the pandemic um, as a really good example. You know, things were getting shut down and all this stuff happened. People weren't going into the office, a lot of remote stuff happening. But when you kind of look back to some degree, people were still really effective, really efficient, of course, depending on the industry you're in. And so when you're up against it, which we're definitely up against it as a global society in terms of climate change and all this, all these kind of things, there's going to be solutions and it's going to get done and it's going to get solved. And we really think it starts going back to my earlier comments is around just awareness. Like these things exist, they can work together and, you know, let's just, let's just make it happen. I love that theme of resiliency being pulled through. Um, and we here at BARD, of course, are looking at those more holistic approaches to make systemic change. So I think we have a good sense. Uh, you've mentioned uh, that Ubiquitous is a, a complementary product. It needs to work with many other of the solutions that we have at hand. Do you have any competitors? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I think we have competitors, um, you, you know, you could think of any window technology as a competitive technology to us, you know, if I specifically look at that application. In terms of our core technology, transparent solar technology, we don't really believe there are competitors that have an offering that we have. Um, and what I mean by that is, is really it's this combination of, of a few things. It's really the combination of really good high transparency. So you could make a window that looks like a traditional window, but it's, the transparency is just not enough. You gotta make it also visually aesthetically appealing, meaning that the color, there's no color, right? Like you shouldn't be able to see, a, you know, nobody wants to look out a window that's brightly colored, you know, yellow or green or blue. There might be some place in the market for that, but in terms of broad deployment and broad application, uh, which is kind of what we're after, you know, that's not the case. And then the third thing is the kind of combination of the, of the other side of the performance. How efficient is it? Will it last a long time? You know, you, you know, windows generally last a long time. So our technology is not one that's going to be replaced every year or every few months or every few years. It's got to last just as long as the window. So when we look at all those things together. We really believe our technology stands out from our competition. And on the competition side, there are other, I would say, solutions to try to integrate solar into applications like Windows, but they all have some trade-off. Either they're very, you know, dark colored, they're very tinted, they're not as efficient. Um, and then there's um, probably another set of companies or, or early academic type technologies that are trying to integrate into Windows using kind of a similar approach as we are, 
um, using slightly different, you know, technologies and processes. But again, they have some trade-off, uh, either in cost or ability to, you know, be manufactured. And so there, there, there's a couple of companies that are on the market um, that I would that I would refer as kind of competitors. But again, they have some disadvantage, and they're mostly actually from Europe. Um, not surprisingly, where a lot of more advanced solar technology kind of um, work has has occurred um, and has been driven really more, we believe, by the government and the kind of the kind of push from the society there in general, just to be more energy efficient. It's starting to catch on, of course, here more in the U.S. Um, and especially North America and Canada uh, quite a bit. Um, but there's not really um, somebody we really are saying like, oh man, we really got to beat Tesla or, or there's, there's no really a well-established player here. And at the same time, you know, we're not naive. This is a pretty big opportunity. There's an, you know, there's over 20 billion square feet of glass that's installed in windows around the world every year. And it's naive of us as a, as a com small company to think that we're going to be able to supply all of that. And so we believe we're going to be one of the leading players and hopefully one of the first players, but we're not going to be the only ones. I think that would be pretty naive of us to, to believe that. Yeah, as you spoke to earlier, we certainly hope that that education and adoption expands however that uh, needs to play out. I do want to ask you a little bit um, about yourself and more specifically about the company as a candidate um, for the MBA program here at Bard. I'm here to create my path to make change. So I would love to know as the VP of strategy at Ubiquitous Energy, a little bit more about your professional background, what prepared you for this role, um, and what you see as next steps with the company forward. Yeah, no problem. Happy to share. Um, you know, uh, it's interesting when I think back to, so, so, so I got my uh, MBA about eight years ago. It, it seems like decades ago, but it was not that long ago. And um, my journey has been, um, so, so I have an engineering background, um, kind of, um, you know, I was just a technology kind of person. And so I, I went to I went to school, got a double major in material science and economics, and was really just infatuated with kind of high technology. And so I did that for, I would say for the first part of my career, working in more of an engineering technical role. And I always had this notion of, hey, I wanted to do something more that's more outside of engineering and more, I would say, kind of business related. So, you know, working with other folks, working with, um, you know, management, um, potentially customers, partnerships. And that's what really drove me to get my MBA. And, and since I've had my MBA, that's kind of what I did. I, I called it kind of a natural progression or transition from engineering and towards in terms to uh, kind of business development, marketing, working with partnerships and customers and trying to help figure out when we have technologies like we have, how do we actually commercialize this? You know, how do we actually get this into the market? Um, and so that's what I find really fun and really fascinating and I enjoy it quite a bit. And so that kind of brought me to Ubiquitous Energy um, where I saw this technology and I said, wow, this is so fascinating. And I, I didn't think this was even possible about six years ago is when I joined. And, you know, I love it. Um, it's, I really believe in the technology. I really believe in the mission uh, of trying to make things more, you know, energy efficient, more sustainable, um, clean energy. And so it was a great fit for me and it's been uh, thus far. 
And in terms of next steps, uh, for me, it's, it's, really just, it's really just helping get our technology right over that commercialization hump. Um, and so that's, we're really right on that precipice. And that's what's really exciting. You know, we're gonna be building a manufacturing line to produce window units embedded with our technology. And you know, that'll be coming in a couple of years. So it's really, really exciting. Um, it seems like a long time, but with technologies like this, you know, they don't happen overnight. Hard tech, you know, material science technologies take usually several years to decades to, to actually uh, make it in the market, you know, commercial market. And so it's really exciting to be where we're at. And, um, you know, that, that's what um, I find even more um, kind of uh, invigorating and, and passionate about, about, about actually being at a company that can, is doing something that hopefully is going to make a change positively um in, in terms of just kind of what we need and just having fun while we do it you know I, I think um as a small company um the steps for us are, are pretty big ahead of us you know we're going to grow quite a bit uh and so for us it's really it's really exciting but at the same time um you know it's one of those things where we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much and, and that's where a lot of focus comes into play um, as a small company and where I, I believe I can help in terms of, hey, you know, instead of doing all of these things ourselves, we can work with the industry, we can work with partners to, to help us in this journey, because we're, we're not going to be the company that has all the solutions, has all the things, has, has all the answers. Um, and so we want to work with partners as much as we can. There's just no need for us to kind of reinvent the wheel, if you will, right? Uh, recreate the wheel to do things that are already being done and already being done efficiently where we can add our expertise help enable others to do even better that's that's really uh what gets me excited great so described how the evolution of technology takes some time so does funding typically but yes. ubiquitous energy completed series b funding of 30 million dollars late last year in 2020 one and i believe that brings your, your total funds raised to 70 million so mm -hmm. curious how this part of the business has changed over the 10 years um, that the company's been in existence do you think funders are more interested in this product and technology as it evolves or based on our current um, environmental concerns than they were a decade ago really really great question hannah um the the really short answer is completely 100 yes um I would say maybe 10 years ago or so, even when I wasn't at Ubiquitous Energy and kind of in the renewable energy generation kind of industry at all, you know, people were starting to talk about things like this from an investment standpoint. And I think there was a lot of talk and not, not a lot of action. And what I've seen, what we've seen over the last, gosh, pick your time frame, even two, three years, even right before the pandemic hit, but I think since the pandemic hit, it's actually accelerated quite a bit, a lot more conversation, a lot more action. And so the Series B um, that we raised to give a really good example, um, one of the investors um, that came in is a company called Enios, and they're one of Japan's largest oil and gas companies. And so you might say, well, why is an oil and gas company investing in, in a startup company that's doing transparent solar? Well, they have a really big corporate mission to be completely off fossil fuel technology by the year 2040. So this is a company that's probably the same size as somebody like a Shell or, or a BP. 
um, you know, a really multinational billion dollar global company, probably the sixth or seventh largest corporation in Japan, who is saying, hey, in less than 20 years, our whole business is going to be 100% completely different than what we're doing. And they are putting their money where their mouth is, right? And so I don't think we saw that even a few years ago. Um, and so that's really positive, I see, because a lot more money and investment that happens for tech companies like ours, climate solutions, clean energy generation, sustainable technologies is what we need, right? In order to meet our goals. And so again, back to the awareness, back to awareness brings more attention, brings more funding. So more things can happen more quickly. Um, it's, I think in general, that's what's really exciting from an investor standpoint. And yes, that is 100% is what changed, um, I would say, from a, from a sentiment in that, in that market. Great. Well, on that positive note of positive change, I would leave it to you to share any final thoughts, either about the industry, your work, or your time at Ubiquitous Energy. Yeah, thanks, Hannah. The, you know, the one thing that I, I would leave you with is, is, um, is kind of a stat that I just find, I still to this day find really mind boggling. And I, and I think this is kind of awareness. And I think it's hard to really for people to grasp because it, the numbers, you know, when you start talking about billions and large numbers, it's, it's just hard to grasp. I think this is pretty simple to grasp. You know, solar technology in general itself can meet all of our needs, right? Meet all of our global society needs, you know, hundreds of times over. Um, the stat is there's at any given time, there's about a thousand times more energy coming from sunlight than we need as a global society to fully sustain ourselves. And so when you think about that, it's like, that's really, really fascinating, right? So we don't need to deploy solar and cover the world it's really just a small portion of the global footprint. But again, when we expand it to cover other surfaces with technologies like ours, all of this is gonna be actually possible. And so that's what's really exciting. Um, I just find that stat so amazing that about, you know, think about it, enough energy is hitting the surface of the earth every minute. That's a thousand times more than we actually need as a global society. And that's just, that's just really fascinating. The power of the sun. Very, exactly. very impactful. Well, exactly. for all of us excited about your journey, how can listeners learn more and be in touch with Ubiquitous Energy, maybe even obtaining some windows for their own home in the future? Yeah, definitely. You know, we're not quite on the market yet, but hopefully um, in a couple of years, that will be uh, different. Um, so the best place to go to is just to our website. Um, and that's ubiquitous.energy. Um, ubiquitous is kind of a hard word for most people to spell, but it's U-B-I-Q-U-I-T-O-U-S, just .energy. Go to our website. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all of the, 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 the main kind of social media platforms. Um, we do a pretty good job in terms of our outreach, in terms of media, and doing event and doing things like this, right? Having interviews with the media, whether it's podcasts or whether it's TV segments or radio segments, um, we're again just trying to bring more awareness. And so 
best place to go is ubiquitous.energy. Um, and then from there, you should be able to kind of navigate around, kind of see what we're up to, check out some of our technology, see some videos, learn a little bit more, and then, um, yeah, just see what we're up to in general. Thank you. Well, there you have it. We can follow Ubiquitous Energy and you, Varel Hardev, uh, on your journey forward and uh, harnessing the power of the sun and all the opportunity it brings to us. I so appreciate the time today. I've certainly learned a lot. It's been interesting and energizing. Yeah, no, thank you for your time, Hannah, as well. And, you know, I'm always happy to kind of chat about what we're doing and about myself and, and and it's great to be and it's great to be with you on a podcast that's really focused on you know sustainability and that whole field because it's going to be really important for us going forward so thank you again for your time we appreciate our loyal impact report listeners and hope you can help us spread the word about the series and the important sustainability work of our guests please rate and review the impact report wherever you listen to podcasts And if you were inspired by this conversation, share a screenshot on Instagram and tag Impact Report Podcast. To learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode, please visit ubiquitous.energy. And be sure to head to greenbiz.com or impactentrepreneur.com to read a recap of our conversation. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, April 29th. We'll be speaking with Molly Brown, Chief Science Officer of Sixth Grain. Interested in learning how you can launch a high-impact, purpose-driven career in sustainability? Check out the resources page from the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability for access to free resources to jumpstart your career. Hear from leaders in the fields of climate change, consulting, impact finance, circular economy, and more about how they launched their careers and the tips they have for you to join their industries. Visit gps.bard.edu resources today.